Um, if you have your Bibles this morning, you're going to want to turn to 1 Samuel. But before we get to that text, there's some things here in my notes. And let me tell you, I thought I had this Mother's Day message just all put together and exactly the way that uh, I thought it should be. And last night when I was at work, I started changing things. And, and, and I believe it's for the best. Uh, motherhood today is not an easy thing. How many would agree with that statement? It's difficult. And I believe as days continue on, uh, motherhood is going to be something that is going to continue to be attacked, uh, continue to maybe even see be seen as a burden. But how many know that God intended something different from motherhood? And I usually don't do this, but I heard this this joke that I thought was pretty good. A woman walks into Walmart, and she has her three-year-old daughter in her cart, and as she goes to the door, the daughter just starts fussing and crying and complaining. And as she's going through the store, there was an employee that kind of was concerned and decided to follow her through the store. And as this employee followed her through Walmart, the woman kept on looking down into the cart, this child that was fussing, and she said, Janet, you need to be quiet. And she continued to shop, and as she continued, the child just continued to cry. And she looked down and she said, Janet, behave. Don't think that way. And as she continued on through the store, the child just continued to fuss and cry. And, and, and finally, the woman looked down and said, Janet, you've got to cry out to God because you need help. And she pulled up and got up to the place where she was begging her groceries. And the lady that had been following her through the store, the employee, came up to her and said, Ma'am, I have to commend you on how you treated your daughter, even though she was fussing and causing trouble. She said, I just can't believe how nice you were to little Janet. And she looked up and she said, I'm Janet. Some quotes here I want to share from you from, from uh, Abraham Lincoln, someone that uh, I, I truly respect and somebody that actually changed our nation or was pivotal in changing our nation. He says this, To be a mother is by no means second class. Men may have the authority in the home, but the woman have the influence. The mother, more than the father, is the one who molds and shapes those little lives from day to day. Another quote from Abraham Lincoln is this, and all that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. And how many know the history of Abraham Lincoln? How many know that Abraham Lincoln failed at everything that he did? Whether it was businesses that he started, even whether it was run, run, uh, running for congressmen, he had failed at everything he had ever done until he became president. And as I was thinking about this and some of the quotes that he said, and one of the quotes actually a month before he was assassinated was a quote that I still hear my mother's prayers for me daily. Abraham Lincoln had a mother that prayed for him, that encouraged him, that even when times were hard, was there for him. There's another quote here, and this is unknown, but it says this, Motherhood is more than a stage. It's a long life calling from God. With it, He gives us hearts that love deeply, hands that serve tirelessly, and vision to see His blossoming image and the precious ones He entrusted in our care. What a powerful quote. And I've had, a, uh, I've been able to, the last, let me see here, 29 years, been able to see a mother like that through my wife, Missy. I've seen her encourage her children. I've seen her love our children, sometimes when it was easy and sometimes when it was hard. I've seen her care for our family. In Proverbs 31, 28, it says, this, Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. And I'm so thankful because when I grew up, I didn't have 
that picture of a, a great mom. I have to say this, though. My mom did protect me. Many of you know our, my testimony. At, until age 10, uh, my dad was very abusive, was an alcoholic. Sometimes a drug user was running around on my mom. And I remember times of that protection from my mom. I remember there was a couple times where we actually moved at our house and let dad stay there just to get away as she protected us and kept us. And I'm grateful for my mother, but I've been able to see a godly mother the last 29 years. And I want to say this too, last week me and Missy, we celebrated our 33rd year of marriage. Um, yeah, it was, it's only been God. I think we both will say that. Uh, it's only been him. It's only been by his grace, but it's been an honor to be married to her. And you know what? As I was looking and saying, and just going before the Lord and saying, you know, what, what should I share? Let me, what should I pull out of your word this morning? How many know that the Word of God shows us a lot of times these amazing men? But how many know that there's always amazing mothers that are in those stories? And today, I want to pull some of those out. And I actually had the video team pull up a video that I want them to show you right now. And I know some of this is going to be some of these moms that I'm talking to. But again, it was just such a great video. I thought, you know what, we need to show this. So if you guys could show that right now. plays an important role in the Bible. It binds the beginning and the end. These stories offer us a glimpse into the heart of God, and so we start at the beginning. Taken from the side of Adam, gifted with bringing forth life, the first woman was named Eve because she was the mother of all living. But she was also a mother in her own right, the first of many mothers to come. Though Sarah's womb was closed, God promised nations and kings would come from her. Ten years passed, and motherhood seems as impossible as the day it was promised. But the Lord is faithful to keep his promises, and Sarah bore a son who made her laugh. Leah was the firstborn, overlooked by her husband Jacob, who gave his heart to her younger sister. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb. Despite Jacob's disdain, she found her motherhood in the Lord. When Pharaoh became angry at the fruitfulness of the Hebrews, Jochebed sacrificed her motherhood for the sake of her son. When Pharaoh's daughter saw the child, she had compassion on him. Because of Jochebed's sacrificial motherhood, the Israelites found freedom. Naomi was a mother who experienced the loss of her sons, yet she gained a daughter in Ruth who declared, For where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Naomi and Ruth became family by faith. Mary, a virgin and not yet married, was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. The motherhood of this blessed woman was more than the continuation of a family name, but a means for God to bring a Savior into the world to save his people from their sins. From the garden to the cross, there have always been mothers. These women paved the way for all women, representing the full spectrum of the ways one could be called mom. Whether a mother in faith, mentorship, adoption, or by birth, you play an important role in the story of generations to come. To all the Sarahs, Leahs, Jochebeds, and Naomis, Happy Mother's Day. Amen. So, so often, Again, as the video portrayed, we, we see these mighty stories of men of God. But again, as I started looking through Scripture and actually seeing this video after I wrote my notes, but I was like, man, it's just so good. We're going to show it. There's these incredible moms 
And I think about the video brought out about Jochebed. How many would love to have that name? Hey, Jochebed, it's not popular today. Uh, I, how many enjoy seeing the older names come uh, back to uh, our, our culture today? I think of our granddaughter, Margot, you know, a, a name that I just love. I think of uh, Hazel, Craig Patangelo's new granddaughter. Hazel, I love the name Hazel. I haven't heard that name in a long time, but just love it. And, and you've seen all these names, but I'm so glad that some of these biblical names aren't coming back. Um, uh, it would be just a little strange to see a little Jochebed running around the church here. Uh, and I'm sure she would have a difficult time at school if she went to public school. But I think about Moses' mother. Here was this woman living in slavery in Egypt before the Exodus. And we know that Moses was born during this troubled time. And we know that the king there had decreed that midwives were to kill all the Hebrew boys when they were born. And one thing I want you to recognize this morning, the moms that we look at, and we're going to finally kind of focus in on just one mother. But the thing I want you to recognize is this. All these mothers had issues. They had problems. They had difficulty that had come against them. And I think about Moses' mother, uh, this, this whole thing about trying to control population, um, uh, this whole thing of, uh, uh, of this murderous degree that went out. And I think about what she did in faith, putting Moses in this floatable basket, trusting God that he was going to take care of him. And how many know through God's sovereignty, he did, through God's plan, Moses was protected. And as you know the story, not only was he protected, but he was also allowed to be raised by his mother. Just an incredible thing that God allowed through his providence and his, his sovereignty and his mercy. I think about Sarah, who shows amazing faith in God. I think about Sarah, the one who laughed in disbelief at age 90 when she was told that she was going to have a child. And I think about that portion of Scripture as I looked at it. There was a question that God actually asked Abraham when he first started revealing his plans. And that question was this, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she laugh? And we know that this first laugh, because Sarah laughs more than once, but this first laugh was a laugh of disbelief. It was a laugh that she didn't think it was possible. And, and God asked this question, but God also declares, and God's seen her doubt, everything that she was feeling. And He simply lets her know and, and declares to her that there is nothing impossible for God. And I was thinking about motherhood, and, and I have no idea because I'm not a mom. And I don't know about you, but I've been so blessed over the last several years that when Elizabeth shared and Missy shared and Lindsay shared last year, it's just so encouraged by their testimony of what God has done in their lives and through their motherhood. And in all those testimonies, what you did hear, though, there was... A time of difficulty. There was a challenge. And even in all these mothers' lives that we're going to look at today, that was the same thing. It was difficult. There was a challenge. And maybe you moms can relate here. Maybe that challenge looks different. Maybe you're walking through a challenge right now. Maybe it might involve your, your children as they get older. Because how many you know that motherhood changes the way that children look at their mom throughout time. How many know that most three-year-olds think that their mother is invincible and the best person in the world? Our little granddaughter, Margot, at almost going to be six months, she lights up when she sees mom or hears mom. She's definitely a mama's girl. Right now, to Margot, Shelby is everything. But how many know that that changes? How many of you have walked through the teenage years? 
where all of a sudden mom doesn't know that much. Mom, what does she know about the day and age that we're living in? She's still caught up in the 80s. And then there becomes a point where that person or that child gets married and they start to understand that mom knew maybe a little bit more. And they move out and next thing they know, you start hearing phrases like, maybe I should ask mom. Maybe I should see what mom feels about this. And then there's a time in our life where Again, we just in so much honor realize what our moms had done and the sacrifices that they made. And then there's the last stage, and some of you are facing this even this morning, that you wish you could just spend one more hour with mom because she's no longer here. Or maybe medically she is falling ill and you just wish you could just spend one more hour with her in good health. I think about Rachel, the woman who had a big problem, especially in this day, who was barren, who cried out to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. She's got to understand in this day, and it is a problem that we face here in the United States. Um, It's one in every eight couples who just seem like they can't have children in the day that we're living in today. But here she was barren. And in this day, it meant everything. Even to where the point that she cries out and she says, give me children and I'll die. See, in this culture, there was several things that you could put your wife away for. And one of those things was if she didn't bear children in 10 years, you could legally divorce her. Having children meant everything. But how many know that God did not forget Rachel? In fact, God granted her, the Bible tells us, two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. And I was looking at her last words of this amazing mother who had put her hope in God. I think about her son, Benjamin, who's really the given name that she gave him as she was dying, giving birth to him was the name Benoni, which means the child of grief. But even in all the pain, motherhood was everything to Rachel, even when she's seen her life drifting away. I think of the amazing mother of Jesus, Mary, who took on God's plan of bringing a Savior into this world as a virgin. And we've talked about that here from this pulpit, about, again, in that day in the culture, how much shame that would have brought upon her. This claim that she was making that was just outrageous. How could it be? Uh, the, The things that people probably said about her. We see this plan for Mary is laid out by the Uh, Angel Gabriel. And we see that Mary in this plan does have doubt. She says, how should I be as I'm a virgin? And again, we see God declare that nothing is impossible. Nothing is too hard for him. And I love Mary's reply. After the plan is revealed, she simply says this, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me accordingly to your word. Mothers are those that hang on to promises. Mothers are those that run into difficulties. Mothers are those that again cling to the Lord if they're godly mothers. They believe that nothing is impossible throughout the whole life of their children. How many of you have children, grown children that you've worried about? <laughs> Anybody else? How many have had those child, children that have forced you to your knees at times? I think we all probably have. Maybe we have children right now that maybe our relationships just are a little stressed. 
And we've done everything in our part to do what we can to bring peace to it, but still, it just seems like it hasn't happened. Mothers, I want to encourage you today to hold on to God, to understand that nothing is impossible. My original message was this, and and this is where I get into my original notes here. Some of it was this, is I wanted to talk about the influence of a godly mother. Because in Scripture we see godly mothers. Like I said, we see important men, but we know that there's godly mothers that were behind them. And and they wouldn't be who they were if it wasn't for that mother. We all have been influenced in our lives. And, and hopefully we've influenced others. But mothers have the ability to be the biggest influence in a child's life. And we're going to see that clearly today in our text. I was thinking at first to look at mothers who had negative and positive influences. And I think we're still going to do that today. All the kids are out of here. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe I'll share a little bit about this. Because how many of you know, Scripture also gives us those mothers that were very ungodly and had horrible influence on their children. I think about Herodias. I think about her daughter, Salome. The story is when John the Baptist is going to be beheaded. And see, if you know the backstory, Herodias, she already had a beef with John the Baptist. She had already had some run-ins with him, and she disliked him. And, and here she influenced her daughter, Salome, to perform a very provocative, lewd dance. To be able to get Herod to a place where they could speak in their wish and speak into the death of John the Baptist. To the point that he says, ask anything of me and I'll give it to you or I'll grant it to you. You can see that story in Mark chapter 6. Think about Herodias there and just how bad of an influence she was to get her daughter involved in something like that. And then there's a little story in 2 Kings chapter 6 that maybe many of you are not aware of. And I'm going to paraphrase this story, but it's a story about two mothers. And these two mothers were actually not even given their names. But this is the time in Israel where drought and famine and, and the lack of food is, is, uh, is taking place. And the king is wandering through the streets and a woman cries out and she shares this story about her and a friend had decided to eat their baby boys. They actually make an agreement that we will eat your child today and tomorrow we'll eat mine. And as you read the story in 2 Kings chapter 6, 24-30, you'll find out that one of them went through with it and they ate her son. But the other one, it said, hit her son. What a horrible mother. I mean, I don't know if it gets any worse than that. So we see these mothers that influenced in the wrong way, but there's many in Scripture that have influenced in a positive, godly way. And our text this morning, like I said, is 1 Samuel chapter 1. And we're going to look at the amazing mother, mother of Hannah and who Hannah was. How many know that the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel, is actually really about three men. But again, we have this story of Hannah in the backdrop here that starts off the story because without her, we wouldn't have a 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel actually focuses on on, uh, Samuel. It focuses on King Saul and King David. We're going to look at verse 1. And forgive me, I'm going to work through these names the best that I can. So I was thinking about just doing the Joe and Harry thing, but we're going to try it. So There was a certain man of Rathavium of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elka, and the son of 
Jeroham, son of Elu, son of Tohu, son of Suf, and son of Ephraite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Peniah. And Peniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year to year from his city to worship and the sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophniah and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. Now on the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peniah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion, because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb. It's amazing so far portion of Scripture here. Here we see Elkanah, who has two wives, it says. Penny has one, and we see that Scripture tells us that she had sons and daughters. Not just one, not just two children, but it makes it clear that they, she had many children. And then we see here, but Hannah gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her womb. This verse right here really speaks to the love connection that Hannah and her husband Elkanah must have had. Because again, in this culture, women were looked down upon when they couldn't have children. And we see here that she couldn't. And in verse 6 it says this, And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So not only did she have this issue with not being able to have children, and I want you to, to realize something. Do you see there where it says that God chose to close her womb? You know, as I was doing some studying and going deeper into the, the mothers that had issues with infertility, how many know that for someone to get pregnant is a sovereign work of God? There's no doubt about it. Scripture makes that clear. And I have, I can tell you this as pastors, as, as a pastor, I, I, have, I have been alongside of people that, and prayed for them tirelessly that could not have children. To see some of those people not only have one children, but have several children now. And it wasn't, I'll be honest, I'm just going to let you know this, it wasn't because of a prayer. Because I've heard people going and getting anointing oil. And listen, we don't do anointing oil here because, again, it's just the tradition of men. And if you truly knew what uh, applying anointing oil was, none of you would want to do it. And if you did, we would have to have a counseling session. Because in that day, it was a municipal oil that the elders held on to that actually had principles to be able to heal. I often use the example, Missy... There's oils that miss the essential oils. And at our house, we have all these essential oils all over in this one area. I mean, there's a lot of them. I, I, I had a bunch of them fall on me in the laundry room just recently, so I know we got oils. She's agreeing to that now. But how many of you have oils in your house that you use for different things? And they work. There's some things that work, Right. But again, in that day, municipal oil, this idea of anointing with oil would mean you'd have to come up here, you'd have to strip down, and we'd rub you down from head to toe. Anybody up for that? I'm not. <laughs> not in this setting. And, and believe me, in the day and age we live in, it's not going to be in any setting with me, with gloves or not gloves in. Um, but it's just, it's not going to happen here. Because we have medical doctors. Again, we believe that God heals uh, we know that he still heals today, and again, that's part of his sovereign will. But this whole child-bearing thing is God's will. It's his sovereign movement. And I want to say this today. If you're listening or you're here, and maybe you have not been able to have children, I want to encourage you with something. Your life in Christ is not bent on whether you can have children or not. God does not look upon you and say and call you worthy because you can either bear children or you can't. He chooses. In the day that we're living in, there's so many opportunities. I think of foster care. I think of adoption. 
Think about coming alongside of children that are motherless. Think about maybe a plan that God has that He understands that, that would actually in some way entangle us. But we know that Scripture makes it clear that it's God's sovereign hand. And so we continue on here in 7. You know, here it says this, her adversary would just give her a hard time. It was. It says the word here is provoked her. And it says this, Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why don't you eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? I don't know if this was the best response. I think if I would have given a response to this, I would have ducked immediately. When I was reading this, what I could see is Elkanah, and I'm sure he was a, a mighty man. He, I, I could see him saying, hey, baby, you've got me. Why do you need children? I'm better than ten kids. Not the best response, I don't think, there. And it says in verse 9, And after they'd eaten and drunk and drunk and Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. And she was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. So we see Hannah here conversing with the Lord. And we're going to get into some ways that she did this at the end of this text. I'm going to go through it and bring a little bit more understanding exactly what she was doing. But she even gets to the point where she makes a vow and says, Listen, if you do this for me, we will follow the Nazarite vow. This son will follow it all the days of his life. And in verse 12 it says this, And as she continued to pray before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. And Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. Another response I just was like, wow, two in one text. I don't think you ever have to worry about Pastor Dave if you're in the sanctuary with your head bowed, mouthing words. I'm not going to say, hey, boozer. What are you doing? In verse 15, but Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. Now, I want to I just cue in so I don't forget this here. We have Eli who says, Go in peace, and, and the God of Israel grant your petition. Now listen, I want to make something clear. This was not... Because Eli spoke this. In fact, if you look into this, what he was saying was this. He wasn't declaring it. He was simply leaving her with a greeting saying, I pray, I hope that this happens for you. I trust that this is going to happen. If you look at that phrase in the Hebrew, that's exactly what he's saying. It was not the declaration out of his mouth that caused her womb to be open. I just wanted to make that clear. Again, that idea of going peace was a greeting. It was, it was one of those things, or it was actually a goodbye. Going peace. And man, I will pray and I'll hope with you that God grants this petition. Because how many know that God gives children? We live in a world where, man, you can go buy anything to cure you from cancer. You can go here and there to have uh, infertility, in, in, infertility issues. 
uh, straighten out, if you pray with this cloth or apply this oil or feed this person. Listen, folks, don't, don't get caught up in that. There was a time, and Scripture makes it clear that it ended, where you could take a cloth and people possibly could be, after it was prayed for, healed. There was a time and, and where people longed to be in Peter's shadow because it was quote said that they were healed as he passed by. But those apostolic giftings are gone. And being a pastor of a church, in my calling, it frustrates me so much, folks, to still see people following faith healers. To see people following people with broken promises, even through COVID. How cruel would you have had to been to not go into hospitals and pray for people in rooms over COVID and the healing? One of the biggest professed faith healing movements right now, and I pray for his wife, is dying of cancer, and she is not being healed. Can God heal her? Absolutely. Do I pray that God heals her? Absolutely. But I pray that it opens up the eyes of people and realize that, again, that the power comes from Him and Him alone. So, again, it wasn't the words of Eli here. He was simply saying, go in peace. I'll hope, I'll pray that God grants your petition. And in verse 18, and she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. In verse 19, they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back into their house of Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel. For she said, I have asked for him of the Lord. And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him, so that, the, that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her along with the three-year-old bull and ephod and flour and skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they sought her a bull and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in the presence, praying to the, Lord, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord as long as he lives, and he is lent to the Lord. Now, I think about this story. There's some things that it just jumped off the page at me as I was looking at this. And again, I believe these are marks of a godly mother. Hannah was one that knew the Lord. The text makes that very clear. She felt comfortable to cry out to God. And we see that she prayed more than just once. This isn't what we have said here before in the past, like in the book of Nehemiah, when we studied that. This was more than just a shotgun prayer. Boom. You know, shotgun prayers are good. How many of you say that you've said shotgun prayers? I have. Especially in times of dire desperation. Um, I can think of a time, I've shared this before, or I was in a car with our missionary Bob McCoy where it went over a big ravine. And man, I said a shotgun prayer as we were heading down through the woods uh, off the road. Think of other times in my life where it was an emergency and I said a shotgun prayer. But Hannah... She knew her God. Something else that I recognized in this text was this, is even though her 
provoker, provoked her to the point that it brought her to tears. She never sought to get revenge. We never see her complain. We never see her look at her husband and say, if you don't give me children, I might as well die. And this really shows that she had a depth in her relationship with God. In fact, we see in the text she refers to God as the Lord of hosts. And that's quite an important title there. When I looked into it in the Hebrew, it was this idea that a person that refers to the Lord of hosts understood that God commands everything in heaven and on earth. And that He holds all the power. She clearly understood this. She had a fear, a reverence of God. There's another thing that jumped out on to me in this, this page is, is that Hannah was one that made a vow. She made a vow. In, in Scripture, there is 30 references about vows. And in this day, and I believe even in the day that we're living in, that, that when you make a vow to God, that if you don't hold to it, there is consequences for not keeping it. I want, I want you to look at Matthew 5. Matthew 5, we're going to look at verses 33 through 37. We're going to see what Jesus had to say about vows and oaths. That's Matthew 5, 33 through 37. He says this in verse 33, Again, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, You must not break your oath, but you must keep your oath to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, either by heaven, because it is God's throne, or by the earth, because it is His footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great King. Neither should you swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black. But let your word be yes, be yes, and your no be no. Anything more than this is a form, or is from the evil one. So we see Jesus here makes it clear, listen, it's best just to be a person that says yes and a person that says no, and, and make it clear on how you stand. But Hannah was one that understood what it meant to keep a vow in that day and in that culture. And we know that she followed through with that. Another mark of this godly mother was this, is she invested in her child, in Samuel. We see in the text it mentioned that she would not go up to the house of worship, but she asked her husband Elkanah if she could stay with her child until he was weaned. The weaning process in this day could take anywhere from three to seven years. Now, let me say something. Some of your moms are like, wow, ouch. This was not just talking about a natural weaning, uh, natural breastfeeding. This is talking about this idea, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it's this imploring of spiritual things into a child's life. It actually means, that phrase in the Hebrew, it means this. In putting spiritual truths into them, to bestow upon them. So often we look in the Bible and we see that term weaning and we think of just natural breastfeeding, but it's more than that. So we see here that Hannah was a mother that invested in her children. Psychologists today will tell you the most pivotal time in a children's life, or child's life, is, is from one to eight. They've actually lowered that like two years recently. One to eight to where you can have the most impact on your children. From one to eight is going to determine a lot of things. And I was thinking about this. How does this apply? How does this wonderful mother, Hannah, how does this apply to mothers today. I read a book recently. It was, it was called The Beautiful Ministry of Women in the Church. 
And in that book, as I was going through it, because there is a beautiful ministry for everyone in the house of God. How many know that and receive that? And I was going through that. There was one portion in that book that talked about a lady who, in the early 1900s, actually started up a ministry to teach women how to be good wives and good mothers. And the first year that this institution opened up, there was no empty spots. Women had came from all over the country to be a part of this institute. And that institute thrived for almost 30 years. But how many know today if there was an institution like that that would be laughed upon, it would be frowned upon? It would be looked at like as something as keeping women down. And I know culture has changed, but how many know that God's Word hasn't? But we see Hannah here as one who knew her God. And a godly mother knows who her Lord is. She's not afraid to cry out to Him, even in the most desperate situations. She was one that had a depth in her relationship. She knew who controlled everything. She declared him Lord of hosts. And then the second thing that we see a godly mother do, and by the example of Hannah, was this. She made a vow. She made a promise to God. How many mothers here have made a promise to God? I know as a father I have. <laughs> During those desperate times. But in her case, she made a vow and she kept a vow. I can't imagine being a mother and after five to seven years having to give up your children to to God. I think about the Shulamite woman that we see in Scripture, they, again, who couldn't have a child. And the prophet tells her that God's going to give her a child and that child is given to her. And, and this child is working out in the field with his father and all of a sudden he falls dead. But in the case of that Shulamite woman, she knew who held the power. She knew it was God. And we see that son is risen from the dead. Maybe you're sitting here today and maybe you seem like your children are far off. Or maybe it seems like they've went wayward. And maybe you've said, God, I'll do whatever I have to. God, I promise. And maybe you did everything that you knew to do according to what Scripture has given mothers to do. And maybe it just seems like things haven't worked out the way that you thought. And another thing we see Hannah do is this. She invested in her child, Samuel. It was more than just a couple months. It was more than just giving him the natural needs that he needed, but it was also in putting those spiritual truths into them. Mom, I cannot say this more. You have a role. I think of our moms here at the church. I think of how wonderful and how great moms we have. I think of some of you that have made the sacrifice to not go back into your place of employment after having children. I think of the opportunities that you have, the blessing that you are to your children. I think about the parents that recently have taken on the challenge of homeschool. This is coming from a pastor that was in the schools and believed that one time that we needed kids, our Christian kids in the schools to be an influence. And part of me still says that we need that. But again, I I applaud parents now when they homeschool. Especially the garbage that they're pushing in public school. If your kids are in public school, be aware, be involved. Know what's going on behind the scenes. Because we're living in a world today that they are after your children. 
They're doing everything that they can to get them to think. You know, this past week we've seen, many of you know that I'm very passionate about abortion. It's been something that I've prayed about that would end in this country. And our previous president, I truly believed in that if he would have had another term, that abortion would have probably come to a halt. And how many know that you've heard about this leak that's come out of the Supreme Court recently? And I'm praying again and just putting a lot of time into prayer that, that the possibility is that, again, that that ends. And you understand that, that what that does, it just allows us states to to vote on what we're going to do as a state. And so we're, if that is true and somehow that passes, we're still going to have to pray here in Michigan that the right thing is done. But in a world that is applauding, in the world, and this last week I got into some, was an argument, but debate on social media because of some things that I've posted and actually had somebody get a hold of me and say, you know, you better kind of cool it down or, you know, they're going to send people to your church to pick it out front. And then my reply to them was, let them come. We'll pray that the supernatural miracle that happened to me when my heart turned from stone to flesh happens to them because I believe in the power of the Word of God. But take note, church. Something you need to take note of. Two years ago, when everybody was throwing up black squares, two years ago, I, I heard from other pastors about how being silent was part of the problem. We're sending the end game of all that, aren't we? It's in the papers now being exposed, and I thank God for that. Be careful. Be looking at ministry leaders that aren't bringing up the abortion issue right now. It's not standing in the right place. I believe that God is making a division in His church. Who in the right mind would not stand for saving children? Who in the right mind thinks that that is not a life. But, your progressive Christians, if there's such a thing, I don't think there is, are silent. Your Christians on the left, I don't think there's such a thing. Listen, I don't think there's Christians on the left and right. <laughs> I think there's just born-again Christians. But be careful. See where people are standing in this. Moms, you have a tough job that can only be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. But we serve a God that in His words we see mighty mothers who had unbelievable difficulties come to the realization that nothing is impossible for God. Stand firm. Motherhood is a gift from God that should never be frowned upon. Motherhood is a way to be able to influence generations to come. For you grandmothers here, you have a huge influence in your grandchildren. To speak life, to speak the things of God into their lives. To show them what truly a grandmother, a true godly grandmother is. It's been a joy to watch Missy be a grandmother. To become a grandmother. It's been a joy to watch her just how excited she is to just spend time with Margo and impart things to Margo, even at a young age. And we're blessed to have a daughter that loves the Lord and is serving the Lord and, and uh, is going to impart those things also. But you have a powerful ministry also. And then for you that are here, that maybe God never granted you the ability to have children, maybe you're watching today. We see, even in the video, and Missy will verify this through women's ministry, there is a need for older women to be a part 
of younger women's lives in this day that we're living in. God is, again, giving you a ministry that He intends you to use in a powerful way. Your value is not based on whether you can have children or not. But it's based on how and by what God has given us through His Son, Jesus Christ. So this morning, mothers, we're going to ask you to stand up. And we do this every year. We're going to pray for you this morning. And uh, I do want you to know that the elder board is, there's a little, uh, some gifts for you, some chocolates, some sweet things after service. Moms, make sure you get one of those before you leave the church. Um, they'll be in the back, by the back door, right, Bob? Yeah, so just make sure you get a bag of goodies before you leave. We want to, again, just say Happy Mother's Day. Uh, we pray for you. And again, we love all of you here at Momentum Christian Church. There have been those godly mothers. Let's stand this morning. If you have a mother next to you or close by you, a grandmother, I want you to gather around them. If you're not here with your mother this morning, um, I also want to pray for those that have lost their mother. It's been a difficult thing. Yeah, you can get together as groups. That's, that's a great thing. Yeah, just find somebody. Don't, everybody here should find somebody this morning, whether it be your mom or not. Find somebody and just pray with them this morning if they're a mom. There you go. Yep, that's perfect. I'm going to step down here with Missy, and then I'm going to pray, but I want you to pray with your individual mom that you're with and just a blessing over her today. Pray that God gives her strength in the day that we're living in. Pray that God leads her cause, and pray that God has, uh, she has an open relationship with her God, a, a relationship to where she knows who her God is and that she puts her full trust in Him. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you today, Lord, for all the moms here. And God, we lift them up to you today, God. We thank you, Lord, for our moms here at Momentum Christian Church. God, I've seen so many godly mothers walk in these doors and out these doors throughout the years. And Father, I thank you for each one of them. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness to them. And even as we've seen here today, behind mighty men, there's mighty women. We wouldn't hear the stories. We wouldn't know the stories. If mothers, if, if Moses' mother wouldn't have done what she'd done, we, I don't know if we'd know the story of Moses. I think about Hannah who cried out to you even when she was provoked for being barren. She put her hope in you. She called upon the Lord of hosts and cause the mothers in this church to call upon the Lord of hosts understanding that he holds all things in his hand he's sovereign so father I just ask Lord today that our mothers Lord that they be blessed Lord cause us to honor them well because they are due the honor God cause us Lord to come to a place of appreciation and everything that they've done and everything they do for us. And God, I pray for those that have lost their mother. And God, I just ask that you just cause a peace to come upon them today, Lord. I pray, Lord, that they recall all the beautiful things about their mom. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you again cause them, Lord. If they're a woman here and they've lost their mother, if they're a woman here and they've not been able to have children, God, show them, Lord, their ministry inside the body to invest in the lives of younger women, to invest in the lives of grandchildren, to invest in the lives in those that might have a need. And so, Father, we just thank you. We praise you because you are so worthy. So, God, I just ask, Lord, to go with us now as we leave this place. 
again, caused Mother Day, Mother's Day just not to be one day of the year, but God caused us, Lord, to honor them throughout the year. So, God, we just thank you. We just praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.